This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Lent, lament, repent, anticipate. And I'm not sure if you found the kind of pattern to it, but there's three different things. There were six weeks. This is the sixth week that we talked about this. So there was two parts for the lament, the individual and the corporate. There was two parts for the repent, individual and corporate. And now there's the last part, which is the, uh, the anticipate. And last week was an individual. This week is a more kind of corporate. What I, mean, what I mean by that is that there is, all of this is supposed to help us prepare us to experience Easter in a way that, that we're ready for that, that we're ready for that. Our hearts and our minds and our souls are ready for that. And so it's a, a buildup. It's a continuation of what we've experienced so far and everything is going to and through the cross leading to Easter. But it is, as always, great to be worshiping with you here today. It is a great day. It's a, it's a beautiful day outside. Um, it's a little overcast here and there, but that's okay. We are in the presence of God, and there is nothing wrong with that at all. Everything is right about that. Now, I know that if Jackson were here, he would tell you that his birthday is coming up. Because he's been looking forward to this for quite some time. And... Um, he also is looking as part of his uh, as part of his celebration. He's going to have uh, he has some friends coming, and we're going to go see the new Super Mario Brothers movie. And so he's really excited about that. But to be honest, I'm kind of excited about it too because that's my era. Whenever first it first came out, as kind of mid to late '80s, and um, it, it was kind of everything that was going on, everything Mario. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. So I was okay with that too. And I think about this because he's looking forward to another year and he's going to be 10 and I can't believe that. But I do remember being all the way back 10 years ago when we were anticipating Jackson's birth. Now, Laura, she didn't do this on purpose, but we were... Uh, we had just gone to the, the doctor and we had a good checkup and everything. And then we were going to uh, this place in Corpus called Kiko's, which is a, a really good um, Mexican restaurant that deals a lot. I prefer their, their breakfast more than anything else. And so we were going there and uh, we had a good meal and then we were going to, to somewhere else. And then uh, I heard like behind me, I heard a, like a splash and I was like, uh, I hope I just kind of stood there. I was like, I hope that's not her water breaking. And so I look back and no, she just spilled water on herself. So I was like, Laura, did you do that on purpose? She goes, no, I didn't do that on purpose. But what were you thinking? I was like, I was thinking that it was time and oh my goodness. And I wasn't ready for that. But, but yeah, okay. We've got another week. We're good. Um, but there was a lot of anticipation, right? There's a lot of expectation on what it would be like to finally have Jackson in this world. And we have been preparing for it, not only for just nine months or so, but we have been praying for it for quite some time. And so we were really, really looking forward to it. And it's hard to believe that now 
He's here in this world, and he's been here in this world for almost 10 years now. And then there's other things that I, I look forward to a lot. Like I'm looking forward to that time whenever I could be done with all the tests that I have to take, at least for a little while, and move on to that next thing, get that out of the way. But I'm so looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a lot of things. And I, as I said last week, I, I mentioned what was, um, you know, some difficulties with, with Knox. And I am looking forward to the day when he doesn't have as many difficulties, or at least he has the, the tools available to him that he can kind of um, handle anything that comes his way. I'm also looking forward to that day, and it's been such a long, long time. I'm looking forward to that day when, when Laura is able to, um, I know she really, really wants to go back to work, and she feels like, like she's ready for that, and a good praise is that she's graduated from her uh, physical therapy that she's been going to and they're like okay we you've done everything you can do here now you need to continue on and you know you can get a gym and that, all that sort of stuff and continue on what you've been doing here but you can do this on your own now and so there's some progression but again I'm looking forward to that day when she is better when she feels like she is better when she feels like she's made enough progress to go back to work and to and everything aligns and everything's good there because I know that she can help so many different people in so many different ways as a counselor. I'm also looking forward to so many different things. And I know it's hard, like now is hard, then in the future, hopefully it won't be as hard. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm anticipating that. I'm expecting that. But what about those things for us? So that's a little bit about what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? Forward to. Maybe you've been experiencing some pain. Maybe you've experienced some loss. Maybe you've experienced some type of hardship. And I know that, that if you're in the thick of it right now, you'd rather not be here. You would rather be there on the other side of it. You'd rather be on the other side of the darkest valley. You know you have to go through it, but if you could just skip it, right? If you could just get there already, that's what you're looking forward to. We are looking forward to a place where everything is better, where things are not as hard, where there's peace, where there is patience abounding, where there is silence maybe there's rest, where there's joy, where there's no more pain, where there's no more tears, where everything is better. I can't wait for that. But what do I do in the meantime? What do I do in the now? So today we celebrate Palm Sunday. But before we can get there, we go to another place that we are very familiar with. And this is the Lord's Prayer. And so we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We say that a lot, but that's what we're really trying to figure out. How is that going to come? When is that going to come? We are expecting it. We want it. We need it. Please, Lord. Please send your kingdom now, here. 
But there was a place where we learned this. And one of the places we learned this is in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 13. And this is where we have our prayer that we pray all the time. And we'll pray during our time of, uh, of communion. And it begins something like this. But before we get there, a little bit about where we find this in Matthew. So this is Matthew 6. And if you know anything about Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that's what we refer to as Sermon on the Mount. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry and life in the public, if you will. And so he was about the age of 30 when this began. And the first thing he did, according to the book of Matthew, was he went up to not a mountain, even though we call it a mountain. It was more like a tall hill. And it was, uh, you were able to see uh, the Sea of Galilee. And this is where it started in Capernaum. Now, also, it was a, fisher, uh, a fishing village on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. It was also home to Peter and to Andrew, who spent their time mending nets when they weren't fishing. It was also where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and the paralytic, who was lowered through the roof by his friends. Now, just behind Capernaum is the mountain or the hill where the people believed that he preached his first sermon and one of the most famous sermons of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that, right in the middle, so it starts in, in chapter 5 and it ends in chapter 7, but right in the middle, this is where Jesus teaches everybody who can hear how to pray. And he says this, As opposed to how the Gentiles pray, this is how I'm telling you to pray. Everybody who can hear, this is how I'm telling you to pray. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, if that's not exactly how you remember it, if that's not exactly how we say it every single Sunday, this is where we take it from. We take it directly from the Bible. It's not something that we made up. It's something that, that was given to us by Jesus to those who could hear in the Sermon on the Mount. And we know this prayer very well, or at least we should. And it has a very Jewish root to it, a tone to it, as you might expect, because, of course, Jesus was a Jew. And it is different, like I was saying, in comparison to the way that the Gentiles did it. So in this prayer, we see this picture painted by Matthew of a concerned parent. This is our father that we're talking about. A concerned parent, the head of the household, and the one who is really responsible for making decisions for the whole family of these believers, of us. And there's an encouragement for, for all the followers to call God Father as a sign of respect of God's authority and also as a trust 
and God's generosity and his divine wisdom. The prayer for God to be holy, that is hallowed, hallowed be thy name, holy be thy name. God's kingdom come and God's will to be done. Those three things are basically a request to bring the fulfillment, the thing that we know is promised to us, to bring it to fulfillment now, beginning with Jesus. This is a request that Jesus' work continue, especially so that things can get better than they are now. The daily bread reminds us that God provides for us everything that we possibly could need. And it's an echo from what was given to um, the Israelites in the wilderness, the manna that fell from the sky. We were being provided for then, we're being provided for now, and we will always be. We need forgiveness of our sins every single day, just like our daily bread. We also must readily forgive others in the same way that we ask for it. Now, Jesus' followers are asking to be spared, like lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's how we say it. But the followers were asking to be spared. If I don't have to go into temptation, if I don't have to find that, fight that trial and just have that hardship on me, I'd rather circumvent that. I'd rather just step around it. And this is also echoes of what we hear later on in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prays, May this cup pass from me, but in the end, thy will be done. Now what you might notice is the missing part, the conclusion of the prayer that we typically pray. And this was added much later. And if you've ever been to a Catholic Mass before, it's not included whenever they're going through the liturgy. They don't say that last part because it wasn't in the Bible. Therefore, anything added extra to it, um, they're, they're, they don't want that to be um, part of the service. So all this that we've heard was also heard by a very large crowd of followers of Jesus. And this was signifying that Jesus was here, that Jesus' journey was beginning, and his ministry was beginning now. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and this is the thing that started everything else. And now we're at the very kind of end of this journey of Jesus's earthly ministry. And that's whenever we come across in, in Matthew 21, 6 through 11, where we see what we now recognize as Palm Sunday, the thing that we celebrate as Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so we read that here. Now, again, oh, I, I did want to say this. His, his journey started again in Capernaum and now is here in Jerusalem and then eventually the cross. And if Jesus went straight from Capernaum to Jerusalem, it'd be about 40 miles or so. However, his ministry, as you know, it didn't go straight there. It went all around here and there, tending to needs here and there for over three years. And it was definitely the scenic route, but it was the route that needed to be taken. And so finally, when Jesus does get to Jerusalem and his triumphant entry, this is what we read here. The disciples went 
and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd, again like the one that was crowded around him at the beginning, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and the others cut branches, cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and followed, and followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is a prophet Jesus from Nazareth and Galilee. Again, you see these two events kind of like bookends. This is the beginning. This is the end. Sermon on the Mount, Galilee, Jerusalem, triumphant entry. And it's not over, but it's the beginning of the end. And again, there's echoes of the Lord's Prayer, what he taught his disciples and everybody around there to pray, and the genesis of his journey and it reverberates in the disciples' ears as they see what is going on here, as well as anyone else had, who had ever heard anything about the Lord's Prayer or how He taught them to pray or anything along the way. What is happening now is a culmination of everything that they've been working towards. And here there's a celebration. And here we see Jesus' disciples and other supporters provide him with a royal welcome. This is Jesus. Do you not know? Let's celebrate. He is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. He's a prophet from Nazareth. He's a son of David. Indicated that he could be the long-awaited prophet and Messiah. Everything appears to have been staged in order to fulfill the prophet Zechariah's proclamation of how Israel's king would enter in to Jerusalem. Now Jesus' triumphant entry to Jerusalem was a mark that God's kingdom was actually breaking in to the reality of earth. In some ways, Palm Sunday, our celebration of this, can be seen as a celebration of the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. In fact, the very life of Jesus was a sound of heaven touching earth. I'll say that again. Jesus' very life was a sound of heaven touching earth. Now, all this is great. And for those that were there, it was a great celebration because this was Jesus who they had been waiting for, the Messiah they had been waiting for and praying for and following all this way. And now they were here in Jerusalem where things were going to happen. And what they believed was going to happen is that everything was going to be made to be better. Everything was going to be better than they had been. All the suffering, all the pain, all the ways that they had just been oppressed. Everything was going to end. And now Jesus was in charge and Jesus was going to take the reins and he was going to rule the world and everybody was going to be better for it. 
They had been waiting all this time and it was finally here, but they had no idea exactly what they were experiencing. So the question is now, what? What do we do in the meantime? Because we are here and where we want to be is there. We want to be better. We want to be in a better place. We want things to be better. We want to be more peaceful. We want to be uh, there, there to be more quiet. We want to be more restful. We want there to be joy in our lives again. We want there to be no more pain, no more torture, no more torment, nothing like that. We want to be with God and in a better place. And so what do we do in the meantime? What do we do? How do we wait for things to get better while we rest? What do we do? While we wait, while we wait for rest, while we wait for better, while we wait for relief, while we wait for freedom, while we wait for a breakthrough, what can you do? What can you do? And you might be in a place right now where you know and you understand the tension of now as opposed to then. I know this present reality and it's not great, but I have hope for the future. There's a tension. I have to live in the now, but I want to be there. There's that tension. And you, you don't always understand. And you don't always get to see everything. And when it gets so difficult, but you can still hold up your hands just a little bit, like it's not over yet. I still have a little bit more in me. I can still keep on going. And when you're counting every breath that you take, because it's so hard, all you need to know is that God chooses you. God chooses you. God chooses to provide for you. God chooses to protect you. God chooses to forgive you. God chooses to love you. You are that special. Your response in the waiting time between now and then can be and should be this. I will praise you before the breakthrough. I will praise you before the breakthrough until my song is a triumph. I will sing because I trust you. I will bear my heart and I will lift my song. I will praise before my breakthrough. This is an active type of faith. It's not just waiting on things to change, but it's praising before the breakthrough. It's praising until the breakthrough. It's praising beyond the breakthrough. This is what makes the, the waiting so difficult, but it makes it productive because it's not just waiting on things to happen. Yes, we want to get from here to there, but in the meantime, I'm going to act like that is going to happen. I'm going to act like I am so sure that that's going to happen that I'm already going to praise and give thanksgiving for what will happen. 
I know my reality now. I know my present reality. I'm not blind to it. But I know that the future is something better. Because the future is going to be better than it is now. But in the meantime, I'm going to praise. In the meantime, I'm going to praise before my breakthrough. In the meantime, while I'm waiting, I can do something about this. I can have an active faith. And so just like the people couldn't see when Jesus would come into the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, but they heard, thy kingdom come, that's what they were praying. And when Jesus actually came into Jerusalem, again, it was the sound of heaven touching earth. It was the beginning of the end of his earthly ministry, but it was also the beginning of heaven on earth. And it's not to its completion, and we know that. There's still pain. There's still torment. There's still trials. There's still tribulations. There's still all of that. So we're not yet fully realized in that. But the day is coming. And we have to have that active type of faith where we can say, Lord, I know my present reality, but I also know where you're leading us. I also know that there is going to be a day. We're not there yet, but I know it will happen. I'm confident of this. I believe in this. And I know what I have to go through to get there, but I know you're going to be with me every step of the way. So my challenge to you is this. In the waiting time, in between now and then, let us praise. Let us praise God before the breakthrough. Until the breakthrough and beyond the breakthrough because it's coming. Oh God, we pray. May your kingdom come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.